You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Please welcome Katie John Went. Never say never. Never say never. I would never eat octopus. Um, eaten it twice. Hated it. Ate it for a third time last week in Edinburgh. Loved it. And now I feel guilty because I don't think you should eat someone with something with so many legs, brains and orifices. And a funny... Anyway. I was about to make the funny beak joke about it, but then I realised that Ricky Gervais made the same joke on his recent comedy. And I do not want to be recirculating Ricky Gervais jokes. Except the platypus one where it has breasts, gives milk... Um, lays eggs and can make his own custard. That was the only non-offensive joke in the whole of Ricky Gervais's recent comedy routine. Um, I laughed at nearly all of them and then felt very evil afterwards because um, I had to watch it because Piers Morgan rang me up and said, will you go on the show and discuss it? That was equally evil-making. I'm thinking, Do I, I then watched it and enjoyed bits of it and now I feel very evil because I'm a free speech activist and a love activist and it's very difficult to marry the two sometimes. Never say never. What else wouldn't I tell you? Never say never. I, well, I never said I would get married. I said, actually, I prayed a prayer once to God and said, God, if you ever want me to get married, you're going to have to hit me over the head with a sledgehammer and get someone to ask me. Because I was so internally confused about sex, gender, sexuality and everything that I thought, this is never going to happen. Two weeks later, a woman in my university, a medical student, comes up to me and says, God has told me to marry you. <laughs> so I did for 15 years. She was a psychiatrist. I should have seen that coming. Um, She outed me, which I am eternally grateful to her for. It was mean at the time, but it was the best gift she could ever give me. Um, So I guess that's the beginning of the story I might tell. Another Never Say Never one was going on on an airplane to America to a sex workshop where I was considering, okay, am I trans, am I not trans? I cannot change my body unless I can accept the one that I have. So I am the kind of, the person who really goes to the nth degree to try and prove that I'm not what I am, sort of thing. And there was a film on the, um, t- on the airplane thing, it was, that, it was that Yes movie about the man who said say yes to everything or something. So I watched that film, big mistake, so I said yes to everything at a sex workshop <laughs> in California because I just watched that on the plane. I ended up dating a girl for a year in California um, who I'm still in love with. Um, I'm in love with five of my exes, it's fine. There's a couple in, couple in the room. Well, one. Um, might be a couple if there's anyone else looking. Um, but actually, the story I want to tell is the fact that my psychiatrist called me the most reluctant transsexual he had ever met. Now, you may have heard of a film and a book called The Reluctant Fundamentalist. That's kind of me, but in a trans department. I was a fundamentalist but a Christian fundamentalist, because I thought if I was a Christian fundamentalist, I could lock the transness inside a box and lock it up and then bury it for as long as possible. Um, I'm trying not to swear already. Is that good of me? No? Okay, I'll give up. (laughs) Fucking pointless. Um, And so my journey in, in that sense was someone who went through fundamentalist Christianity, consented and opted voluntarily for conversion therapy, I'm living proof it doesn't work. I had transgender demons cast out of me. There's a biblical passage where it says if you cast out demons and you don't actually kind of lock the doors afterwards, they come back sevenfold. 
so I'm now a sevenfold transgender demon. Um, and yeah, so after I was outed the gift of my lovely ex-wife, um, it was like sink or swim. And, but then I also thought, okay, if I can, I really just want to be like mini trans. Um, I was actually in an Ikea car park in Denmark last year. I think it was last year, anyway. And there was a, and it was with the founder of the Human Library, which I work with. And we've been pushing around Ikea like 100 wine glasses for a big uh, kind of thank you party we were throwing, throwing that evening. And he saw this big lorry, well, actually a little lorry, and it said mini trans on it like mini transport, and he goes, Katie, Katie, Katie! So I'm bipolar and he's ADHD, so you can imagine us in a party. Um, it's like a dog going after squirrels. Um, and he goes, Katie, 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 it's just mini trans. Get up on that fucking trolley and let me take a picture of you. It's going to be really funny. You know, trans, person in front of, mini trans. So he does that. And he's completely forgotten that we've been pushing this trolley around. So it's one of those situations where in the car park, the trolley of 100 wine glasses is gradually going, sliding through the car park. And I'm saying, Ronnie, 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 the trolley, the trolley, the trolley, the trolley. He says, no, no, mini trans, mini trans, mini trans. So that's, that's my life, really. Um, but so after coming out, I literally went to everyone and said, how do I stop being trans? I went to a therapist and said, I want, I, I, how do I stop being trans? Can you stop me being trans? He said, no. I can support you on your journey to becoming you, whatever that is. Clearly very weird, but whatever it is, I will support you. We will discover it together. Um, like all of my therapists, I fell in love with her. Um, but <laughs> we spent 18 months on, two months on that, two years on that journey. It was, it was fantastic and fascinating. Um, but I also used to say to her in therapy, you know, if I can get away with it, I want to be this mini trans. I want to be like, you know, Eddie Izzard, um, with better accents for the foreign language humour, um, but, you know, less famous or less infamous, and just like, can I get away with being a junior Eddie Izzard? Because I don't want to go through with that whole op thing. Um, and so I was like, equivocating about this for two years in therapy. Then I went to my psychiatrist, who turned out to be my ex-wife boss, um, which was awkward. Um, and he said, I know you're trans. I said, well, how did you know before me? And he said, well, for about seven years, you've been wearing a mask. Um, not a Venetian one. Um, but he said, like, you are the most masculine person I know. <laughs> but it was like, you're trying too hard to be a bloke. Um, you can see I've given up doing anything. Um, and he said, it was obvious to me that you were trying too hard to be something you are not. Um, my favorite quote is actually from... Albert Camus' L'Etranger, The Outsider, where it says that some people expend so much energy trying to be normal. So I'm here to say I'm not normal. Um, thank you. Um, welcome to the Not Normal Club. Um, and and that kind of, that's kind of my journey to eventually find... I guess I found it possible to be myself, but not to be any particular thing. Male, female, non-binary, trans, it matter. I don't give flying two hoots about any of the labels anymore because I eventually found how to be human by trying a lot of things en route. Um, but one of the things was, you know, so started with the HRT, so eventually about 12, 13 years ago I started on HRT, which as a bipolar person was a double curse because I was already moody and took HRT and moody as F after that. And so my bipolar was doubled down. Um, and then about, I spent the next literally six or seven years thinking, the NHS waiting list for trans people are like infinity pretty much now. Um, so I was told it would be like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever years um, before I had surgery. So I thought, well, that's fine. 
if it's never really going to happen because it's an exponential infinity waiting list, then I can just say yes. And then I've got plenty of time to think about it and then turn it down at the last minute. It's like, it's like the, um, the, the Catholic method of, you know, of being trans, like withdrawal at the last minute. So that was my idea. I would sign up for it. Can you do that laugh again? <laughs> um, and, and I thought, well, no, okay, I will. I will just cancel. But I will sign up. It's like signing up for something and then like canceling at the last minute, like seven days free of Netflix. Now I can always cancel. You know, three years later on Netflix, I'm signed up to about seven channels for five pounds a month that I've no idea what they are because I don't have time to watch them because um, the stress of canceling them is more than signing up to them. And so I had this kind of theory that I would just say yes later or say yes now to something that would never happen and then I could just sit and think about it and I thought well also it's getting a long time now and I'm you know approaching 50 I thought okay if I can't make up my effing mind by 50 I'm just going to say yes anyway because you know say yes just try it you know um, half my life is one thing try the other half is the other thing and um, and then the NHS rang me up around age 49 it's a bit of a surprise call Um, and they said so, um, Katie, um, we, we've got you an, a new option. Um, and I will kind of end with this because I know my watch is bleeping. Actually, I'm trying to keep to time, Lucy, so you don't have to. Um, and they said, um, okay, so you've still got another, probably another two years if you keep waiting on the NHS. But all of our consultants kind of um, moonlight private. So it's exactly the same surgeons, but they'll do it on a Saturday for you between golf matches. <laughs> I, and I was literally told they do three extra surgeries on a Saturday for exactly the same money. The NHS pays the same internally as it did externally, so it wasn't costing anyone extra. Um, and they said, make sure you don't have the first one, because he hasn't had enough coffee. Make sure you don't have the third one, because he rushes it to get to the golf club. If you can get the middle op on a Saturday morning, you'll get the perfect trans op. Um, and I said, what's the catch? You've got to decide by 5 p.m. I said, well, I thought I had two more years to think about this. And they said, no, no, you know, it's a, it's a limited time offer. It's like one of those bloody messages you get in advertising, you know, like, one-time sale, <laughs> trans-ops. And um, I said, okay, so tell me more details. Where is it? Because I've heard the other hospital I was meant to be having in on the NHS was pretty shitty. And I said, no, this isn't a good hospital. It's in, on Wimbledon Common. So I said, what? So I go in, Katie, and come out of Womble? Um, <laughs> can I choose one? I don't want to be Tobin Murray. I want to be Madame Chalet. Um... And they said, no, yeah, it is, it is in that hospital. It is literally overlooking Wimbledon Common. And I said, okay, what else? What else do I need to know? And I said, what's the food like? <laughs> and they said, what do you mean? I said, well, what's the food like? That was my big worry about going in hospital, not losing my meat and two veg, but what was the meat and two veg um, in the hospital? And they said, well, actually, it's got a very, very good, got five-star rating for the food. And it's got a wine list. I said, what? It's got a wine list? They said, yeah, but it's really expensive. You can take your own in, though. So I said, oh, cool. So I cut a long story short. I'll cut a few other things short. Um, I, <laughs> I, took se- <laughs> um, I took in six bottles of wine and three bottles of whiskey for five days. <laughs> the whiskey was pain relief. Um, and and I, I, I was lying on the gurney just before going into the op and the, my anaesthetist was from the same Eastern European country that I think Agatha Christie had a house in. And so he was telling me Agatha Christie stories um, while I was lying on there to relax me. And, which wasn't working. And I'm lying on the gurney thinking, you know what, my second <laughs> thoughts. 
literally, that's what happened. He said, count back from 10. And I'm going, 10, 9. I got and, and I was, then I woke up and a little bit changed. Um, and nurse comes into my room and says, um, oh, you're awake. Great. Um, okay, so you've got the morphine drip beside you. Oh, what's all that wine? And I said, that's my wine. They said, I could bring my wine in. I said, no, of course you can bring your wine in. But you've also got morphine. You can't have morphine and wine. I said, but I'm non-binary. I want everything both ways. No, um, no, I hadn't identified as that then yet. Um, I said, okay, so they've also just come around and offered us and told us what's for dinner. And they offered me swordfish or, or venison coming out from my op. Um, I'm thinking... I've clearly got my head in gear already because I chose venison. Uh, apologies to vegetarians in the room. Um, it's a wild animal that eats all of our trees, so you're saving the planet by eating deer. Sorry. But, um, and, they, and I said to them, you know, which goes best with venison? And they said, well, clearly the red wine. I said, well, that's what I'm having then. And they said, well, in that case, we're removing your morphine. So uh, kind of th- the moral of this story is... Th- uh, there was a moral? Yeah, there was. <laughs> I was a Christian. Um, there was a moral to this story, um, and there was, yes, back, someone said to me, Katie, you thought you'd said never. You thought you didn't know your own mind. But the moment you asked, what's the food like, you'd made your mind up. There you go. <laughs> Katie, John went. <laughs> Thank you for your laugh. True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich.